Mike, I'd like to thank you and praise God that how you led worship this morning. Uh, you know, I was all ready and excited to, to worship our Lord. And, you know, uh, if people who want extra power in their car, they have called what their turbo. You know, the turbo kicks in. And I was on turbo gear this morning already. But if you want extra power, then they have what you call NOS. You turn on the NOS, and it gives you another boost of power. And uh, Brother Mike, you gave me some NOS this morning. Amen? Are you all ready? Amen, amen. amen. Uh, just a couple of announcements that I'd like to touch upon uh, before we go into the service uh, or the message this morning. One is that uh, I'm super excited. Uh, Brother Josh updated our website. Our website was nice, but now it became good to great. All right, so if you have time, check out the website. You see it in your bulletin, uh, ubc.org, uh, I mean, ubcreal.org, and you can see the, the, the live and just the uh, updated version of, of UBC website, all right? Uh, if you have your uh, laptops, obviously you don't have it today with you right now, but if you go home, do it, check it on your laptop, you get the full version, but you also can check it on your mobile device as well, but you won't get it the full 100% version of the, as you can see it in a laptop. A second thing is that I want to just kind of springboard what past, uh, Elder Doug talked about our uh, men's group meeting this Saturday, uh, the first Saturday, it's at 9 o'clock. And uh, we're, we talked about as men's group that we want to do something, not only just sit around, but it's great that we could talk and we learn about the scripture and we pray for one another, but we got to walk to talk, all right? And so what we talked about is that first and foremost, we're going to clean up God's church. Uh, we need to some major spring cleaning. And so men, I want to highly encourage you. We as a church need you as a body to come out this Saturday at 9 o'clock. And we got a lot of things to clean up. Uh, Brother Mose gave me a list of things to clean up. We're going to clean up again the new Children Worship Center as well as the children room. And there's a lot of things that we need to throw out. You, if you know me by now, I don't like clutter. I like to declutter. I like to keep it neat and clean. Uh, uh, and because again, God's house should be organized it should be well-structured. It should be well-tuned, fun uh, uh, machine, like a Ferrari that purls, you know? You know, by, by now, I love cars, okay? I just like the way how it runs and how it just runs uh, systematically and just, it's beautiful. And I want our church to run that way as well because God said, Jesus says, strive for perfection as your Father is perfect, all right? We don't want to, God, we don't want to give God the leftovers. Are you with me? You know, I don't want to give God the leftovers. I want to give God our best. So, our men, uh, come out and let's uh, do this thing. I believe that we're going to do some, uh, uh, you look at this carpet, we need to do some major shampoo, all right? So, we're going to do all that. We're going to shampoo the rug and we're going to get that prayer room, that declutter, clean it, do some deep cleaning. We're going to clean up the nursery so that the, the, the infants can go in there. So, uh, man, we're going to do this thing, but if the ladies, if you want to come and join us, you're more than welcome, okay? Uh, Anne-Marie did already a, 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 kind of a job of cleaning up the nursery already, but there's need to be more cleaning. So ladies, come and join us, and let's, let's do this thing together. Amen? Are you all tired? Amen? Amen. All right, let's do this thing, because this is God's house, and we want to keep it clean. All right? And you know what? I was blown away when I was coming in uh, uh, Friday morning to the office. 
and I saw Elijah, Elijah Yoke. He's out of town, so he's not playing the uh, guitar like he, he was. But he was on top of his, in, his interest. And the, we have problem with pigeons, okay? And what they do, they, a lot of them are just kind of, you know, leaving their spots saying that we've been here, <laughs> all right? So, but I, I was just blown away. He was on top of the stairs. He had a power washer, and he was power washing. And this is a student, a junior in high school. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? And if a junior in high school student can come and say, this needs to be done, what about our grown-up guys? Come on. Are you with me? So let's do this thing on this Saturday. And uh, I believe some of the ladies came up to me and said, we will provide lunch. Guys will do the labor and then we will provide lunch. So I ask this, okay, mark your calendar. Let's do this thing. Amen? All right. Okay. Now, as promised, we're starting a brand new series called Roadmap. Now, if you want directions, we don't have, like in the old days, we have a roadmap to kind of look up the places that we want to visit. But now we don't have, we don't need that. We have what we call Google, Google Maps. And I'm, if you're like me, if I need directions, I'll pull out on my phone and type in the address, and then it, it, the Google Map will give me specific instructions to get to my destination. At first, when I needed to come to Uptown Baptist Church, I needed to put down Uptown Baptist Church. And from my house, I, the Google Map gave me specific instructions to get here. But what about life? If we want to do life, if we, if we want to live a life that is pleasing to God, if we want to make wise choices, if we want it to be a better husband, better wife, or better son, or better brother or sister, or better friend, what about that? Does Google give those kind of specific instructions? It does not. But the Bible does. Amen? Bible has the answer for every situation, every question, every thought, and it gives, because God is wise and He's sovereign. And he written it all down in our Bible for us to look at it and get, pull out biblical principles to make wise choices. So I don't know about you, but I need a roadmap to, to live a life that is pleasing unto him. And that is why we started this series, and we're going to kick it off by a roadmap to godliness. And we're going to talk about godliness. We hear about that. You hear preachers preach about that. You hear Sunday school teach about that. You read it in the scripture about godliness. But what does it mean specifically? What does it mean day by day? What does it mean practically? How can I apply that godliness in my life? And I'm glad you're asking those questions because I'm going to answer them with the word. Amen. So having said that, let's pray and let's jump into this series. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we love you. Because you first loved us. We thank you for this beautiful church that you have blessed us with. As you have blessed us, this beautiful church, help us to be a faithful, wise steward by taking care of and maintaining the gift that you have given unto us. So God, as we worship you this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our eyes, open up our minds to your word. And teach us what it means to be godly. Godly men, godly women, godly children. Now, med med meditation of my heart and the words that are spoken through this servant. 
may be pleasing in your sight. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. So the question I want to begin this morning is, what is godliness? And perhaps some of you may be asking that same question. As you saw the flyer and you said, well, what is godliness? And the second question is, why is it so important that we are challenged throughout the Bible to be a godly man or godly person? Why are we challenged? Specifically, Paul gives us a command, train yourself to be godly. Now, the Greek word for godly is eusebeha. It means specifically, specifically piety towards God. Godliness, deep devotion to God. So in other words, Bible is describing what godliness is, is that godly person is deeply devoted to God. And the question that I have to ask beginning with me is that, what about me today? Am I deeply devoted to God? Am I have a deep devotion to God? Or am I deeply devoted to something else? Because if I'm not deeply devoted to God, then I could be deeply devoted to something else. It could be my, my job. It could be the, the salary. It could be the vacation that you want to go to. It could be your house. It can be your car. It can be anything. If you are not deeply devoted to God, you will be deeply devoted to something or someone else. And that's the question that you need to ask. What am I deeply devoted to? Is it to stuff or is it to God? So in 1 Timothy, Paul beautifully paints a picture of what godly person looks like. If you turn to the next slide, first, godly person is what? Active. Active. If you look at uh, the book of John, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, the younger brother of Jesus, half-brother, he wrote what? He, what did he say? Faith without deed is what? Dead. You talk about faith, you talk about godliness, but I don't see it in your life. It's all talk. It's just, just talk. There, there is no walk to talk. So James, knowing, seeing that in his church, within this Jewish church, he says, that's what he writes. He says, if you, want, if, I want, if you say that you are a faithful man and woman, show it to me. Not just speak it. And you know what? Christians are really good speaking, right? But they lack action. And that is why the world, when they look at the church today, not UBC, generally speaking, they call the church hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. You say one thing, but you do the other. You say that you love, you talk about love, but you don't love. Well, you talk about forgiveness, but you don't, for, you don't forgive. You talk about unity within the church, but there is no unity in the church. There is fighting and division in the church. And that's why the world has every right to say, the church, there's too much hypocrisy. But UBC will not like that. Amen? And if you're looking for that kind of church, you're in the wrong church. Amen? Because UBC is all about love and, un and being unified. There's no room for division. And UBC is all about walk the talk. Amen? So, going out with James, he said the first, uh, what Paul talks about godliness is that what? It's active. Godly person is active in their faith. Second is obedience. Their obedience comes from having a deep sense of reverence or awe of God. You know, I'm, I'm very careful how I use the word awesome. Because the word awesome derived from the Greek word all. 
And then when we look at the scripture, when we make a reference to all, it's not something that, wow, that car is awesome, or wow, that person is awesome, or that building is awesome, or what you did is awesome. No, sometimes I fall in that, uh, in, into that as well. But when we look at the scripture, what, when we are re referenced to awesome is what? Awesome being of God. Amen? That's obedience to in a sense of giving all to God. And that's what we did this morning. When we sang songs and when we lift up praises unto His name, we're just in awe of God because of who He is. And so a godly person is, obedience comes from having a, a deep sense of reverence and all of God. Okay? Third is godly per people are worshipers. You see, we do that well. And that's what we did this morning. But let me remind you, worshipers are not only on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And the question that I have to ask you, when you're driving, are you worshiping the Lord? When you're in the shower, you're saying, thank you, shower, for this, for this water that I can take shower in. You know, are, are you saying, thank you, God, for giving me this clothes that I, you know, I have clothes in my back? Are you worshiping God and thanking Him for how He has blessed you? Not only on Sundays, but it just happens throughout the week. Fourth is that they are saturated themselves in the deep in the Word of God. You know? If you're not saturated in the deep Word of God, then again, you'll be saturated in something else. You'll be saturated in Netflix. You'll be saturated in, in uh, Amazon. You'll be saturated with TV shows or, or some false news or false articles that are out there. And there's a whole lot of false stuff out there. Amen? If we're not saturated in the Word of God, we'll be saturated in something else. And that's the decision and that's the choice that you and me or I have to make. Finally, godly person finds Jesus as the essence and the source of all godliness. And it is through him you and I receive godliness. Nowhere else. So this morning as we study our text this morning, it's 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 10. If you have your Bibles, you could uh, open it up. Or if you need a Bible, it's underneath your, uh, on your seat. Or if you turn on your uh, electronic devices, that's one of our only, that's one you could, we have the permission to turn on your electric devices when you're looking at your scripture. But you could uh, look behind me. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. But, and Paul teaches us here a correct view of what godliness is. And the reason why he wrote this letter to Timothy was because there was a whole bunch of garbage, whole bunch of false doctrine, whole bunch of false teaching going on at that time. And so that's why Paul wanted to correct it. And Paul was saying, Timothy, you need to teach these things. You need to correct, teach the correct doctrine because there's a lot of false doctrines going out there. And so that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. Now, before we look at verse 6, I want you to put your finger on the verse 6 on your chapter if you have it. But I want to talk about what Paul set up the context here. The whole context of chapter 4. 
You see, verses 1 through 5, Paul was prescribing to where people were promoting abstinence. You see, the false teachers and the people that was writing in the article or the people in the media at that time were saying that if you really want to be godly, you have to abstain on certain things. For example, things were like, if you want to be godly, do not get married. That's what, they, that's what they're talking about. Secondly, if you want to be godly, do, don't eat certain type of food. That's what was describing from 1 through 5. And so Paul is hearing all this false doctrines or false teaching. Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We cannot, we got to correct this. And that's when he tells Timothy, these, all these false media, false articles, false teaching, false rumors, and gossip is going around, and you need to correct it in the church. So Paul, hearing this, was furious. Matter of fact, he calls it what it is. In verse, 12, verse 2, he says, hypocritical liars. That's what he says. And he even goes on and says, they're taught by demons. Paul was saying, it's blasphemy to teach such things. What he's saying, because you cannot reject what God declared declare to be good. Because when you look at the prior verses, if you have your Bibles open, that's what was God, uh, Paul said. What God created is good. And these people, these false teachers was teaching, you need to reject what God has created, and you need to avoid it. They were canceling out the work of Christ. That's what they were doing. And I, when I look around the world today, the people in this world, when they have a worldly view, and they join the most recent fad, or they join the bandwagon, what is going to the recent teachings or recent trend, and they're rejecting the work of Christ. Do you see that? If it has no God's fingerprint in that teaching, if it's not derived from Scripture, if it does not come from the heavens, then it is rejecting the work of God. So when people come up to me and they tell me their view, they tell me their uh, opinion, then I said, where do you get that? Can you show it to me in the Word of God? Can you? And if you show it to me in the Word of God, then I will listen. You would have my full unbiased attention. But if it's man-made and you just come up with your own opinion, I don't have time to listen to your opinion. Amen? You want to talk about the gospel? I'll make the time to talk about the gospel. But I don't want to talk about other stuff. You see? Show me where it's in the Word of God. Are you with me? And that's what Paul was saying. So therefore, Paul points out this. The correct approach to godliness, that involves proper diet and discipline. With anything else, there is diet involved and there's discipline and this is where we pick up in verse 6 that we're going to talk about he says this if you point these things out what 
what he just talked about in verses 1 through 5. He says, to the brothers and my sisters. By saying brothers and my sisters, he's talking to what? Timothy, talk to your church, the church that you are leading. He says, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus if you point these out. And he says this, you will be a good, a good minister if you point this out. Nourish in the truth of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. In verse 7, have nothing to do with godless myths and all wives' tales. So what Paul is saying here is this, to be a healthy Christian, you must be, a, you must be on a spiritual diet and stop taking junk food, which is godless myths and old wives' tale. And I'm going to flush this out for you. But let me pause the press button here. If you and I want to be physically fit, if you want to be and I to be physically healthy, and if we don't want to have any cardio disorder or diabetes or high blood pressure, the doctors will tell you what? Watch your diet. Watch what you eat. Right? If you want to be physically health, healthy, you have to be on a proper diet. If you want to be a physical healthy, you cannot be eating Doritos. All right? Although this Doritos is good. I know that. And we pray for it. But would this lead you to have a, uh, uh, would this provide nourishment? No, it may taste good, but it doesn't provide nourishment. And it's not going to help you to be physically healthy. What you have, your doctor may say, what, what you have this week? Oh, doctor, I had some bag of Doritos. And your doctor would say what? No, 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 you can't do that. You have to watch what you eat because of, it is going to affect your health physically. So in the same way, well, if you want to be, Paul is saying, if you want to be spiritually healthy, then you must be on a spiritual diet and stop taking in junk food that the world teaches you, which is godless myths and old wives' tale. At that time, during Paul, at that time during Paul, there was a lot of false teachers advocating what Paul calls godless in that it was exactly opposite to the teaching of God. You see, godly is obeying, as we talked about, the, five, the first four that I talked about. Obedience, active, worshipers, and doers. So, but godless is the opposite of godly. Opposite of teaching of God. In calling all wives' tales, he was directing, attacking the Greek philosophy at that time. During his time, what was very popular and what was prevalent in the culture and what was saturating that culture was Greek philosophy. And what the Greek philosophy was basically saying, what they were teaching was that believe in everything and anything you want. That's what Greek philosophers was teaching. But what they were also teaching is this. The Greeks was taking the Old Testament and adding ridiculous legends and added symbolism to Scripture. That's what the Greeks were doing. 
They were saying, okay, you, you Jews, you know the Old Testament very well. Here it is. But they were adding stuff to it, adding their own traditions, adding their own ideology, uh, ideology uh, adding their own opinions to the scripture. They were adding their own uh, ridiculous legends to it. And that's where we get what we call old wives' tales. There is absolutely no truth to it. Paul said, have nothing to do with that. Have nothing to do with Greek philosophers. Have nothing to do with Greek teaching. Because he says, reject it. And he says, that's junk food for your soul. Don't take it. So by doing so, he says this, if you point these out, you will be a great minister of Christ Jesus. Nourish on the truth of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Paul is saying this, Timothy, you have to be a good minister. And you must, you must nourish yourself in the Word of God. Amen? which is a proper spiritual diet. Again, if you are not in the Word, then you'll get it somewhere else. And that can be dangerous to your spiritual soul. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. You need to teach this and you will be a good minister as you do so. My dear brothers and sisters, Bible is essential to our diet, to our spiritual health. That leads to godliness. If you are not in the Word, then you need to be in the Word. As I said, this potato chip is not a good nourishment. It may taste good, and we may crave for it, and it, it feels good. But let me tell you this. The worldly stuff, like this potato chip, the worldly philosophy, the worldly teachings of postmodernism, the, the worldly teaching about everything's relative. Everything is, uh, what may be relative for you is not relative for me. So these are what the world is teaching. Uh, the political thing, correct thing is to say is that all past he leads to God. That's a popular postmodern teaching. But Paul says that is junk. That is junk. That is not a proper diet. The world teaches you, do things that make you feel good. Take the potato chip. It makes you feel good. Eat that one gallon of ice cream when you're depressed. That will make you feel good. Sit down on your couch and watch Netflix or Amazon or TV store, uh, 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 and that will make you feel good. That's what the world teaches. But the Bible does not teach you to feel good or to look for feeling of good. Bible teaches what? Look for the truth. That's the difference. The, Bi the world teaches you do things that makes you feel good. Seek after that emotional high, emotional feeling of good. But the Bible teaches us and Jesus teaches us, seek the truth, the word of God. Amen? For us to be physically healthy, 
we need to avoid junk food like the potato chips. The chip does not do nothing for our nourishment. In the, world, in the same way, the worldly teachings that are out there does nothing for our soul. Amen? So Paul says, have nothing to do with it. Get away from the world teaching that cannot do anything for your spiritual nourishment. And he goes on. He says, but rather be strict training in the word of God. Notice in the latter part of verse 7, he said, rather train yourself to be what? To be godly. If you have your Bibles, underline that word train. And highlight godly. Paul calls for us to go on strict training. Now, the imagery here Paul uses is an athlete. The time that he was writing this was in Greece, right? And the, and the Greeks were what? They were really all about athletes, right? That's where actually the, we're in the Olympic times, right? That's where actually the Olympics were birthed out of Greece. It was from Greeks, Greece. That's where the, the Greeks were. They, they were fit. They were just, again, they call it Greek gods because, again, their body was magnificent in terms of physically. They were healthy and strong. The Greeks put a heavy emphasis on physical health and strength and athleticism. That's why Paul is talking because he knows that the Greeks are there and prevalent. And again, the Greek philosophy teaching. That's why he's using the athlete imagery and he says, train yourself. The Greek word for train is gymnos. That's what the Greek word for train means, which literally means naked. Did you know that? It means naked. It is where we get the English word from gymnasium. Gymnasium is where you go to train, right? Gymnasium. Way before our time, the Greek athletes will train and compete with, you know, no clothes. The reason why they train with no clothes is because they didn't want anything to hinder them. For example, I, you, saw me, you saw me with my golf club. If I had my golf club, would I be able to swing, go back swing with my suit on? No. I'll rip it. I'm not going to rip it, all right? I, I can't. There's limitations how back that I can swing. Clothes, there are limitations. And some of you who are working out, you will not go to gym wearing a suit trying to do a bench press or doing a lap pull-downs or any physical exercise. There is hindrances. And that is why the Greek athletes, when they were training and they were doing the highest level, they would do it, they would have no clothes on because they didn't want anything to hinder them from training and reaching the fullest potential. Loved ones, just as athletes who train hard and is totally focused on his or her training so that nothing will hinder them from competing to the highest level. In the same way, Paul challenges us as Christians, men and women, should have nothing to do with things that may affect our training to be godly. Amen? Are you in a wrong relationship? that is hindering you to be godly, then you need to remove that relationship. Are you in an environment that is hindering you to be, to be godly? Then you need to remove yourself from that environment. 
a college student that I was ministering to about 15 years ago had problems with pornography. And he was searching through it on, in his online, on the computer. I challenged him. I said, if you cannot have discipline and to control yourself from pornography because of that computer is in your dorm room, get rid of it. Get rid of it. The next day, he took my challenge and he got rid of it. And a month later, Pastor Nick, it's been a struggle, but getting rid of that computer, it was the best thing that I could have done. Now, I don't, now I'm not tempted to look at that pornography. Amen? Anything that is hindering you from being a godly man or woman, godly person, you need to get rid of it. Whether it may be a relationship, whether it may be a certain environment, or whether it may be certain stuff, whether it may be whatever it may be, you need to remove yourself in that situation so that you can be godly. And that's what Paul is saying. You see these athletes who go on street training, they remove all the clothes because they want to perform on the highest level. When you see the Olympic Olympics, as your brother Doug is talking about, when you see them, they have proper clothes on because, again, so that they could swing that club, so, they could, so that they could run and hit the soccer, the football. They call it football in the Olympics, right? Or when they're playing tennis or basketball, they have specific outfits so that they will not hinder their movement so that they could perform to the highest level. And so that's why Paul said, you see these athletes, they're performing on the highest level because they got rid of anything that hinders them. And Paul said, in the same way, you need to be in the highest level to be godly so that you could get, so get rid of anything that hinders you. Amen? Come on, church, you could do better than that. Amen? Remove it. Remove it. We may not take off worldly clothes that hinder us we have to take it off athletes train hard to get healthier faster and stronger and better they were pouring hours and not let anything to distract them from becoming great athletes to perform in the games Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have a lot to learn from the athletes about discipline, about focus. And for that reason, Paul was bringing the imagery of the athletes that was prevalent at that time. But for us, it's not about becoming a great athlete, is it? Although it'd be great if we could be a great athlete. That's beside the point. But for us, it's about becoming a spiritual, spiritually mature person in Christ. And I hope that we would desire that. So the question is this, how does it look like for us to be, what Paul is saying, train yourself in godly manner? What does it look like practically, and how can I apply that? And so I'm glad you're asking that question, so I'm going to give you few applications to do that. What does it look like? First, if you turn to the next slide about training yourself, is this. First is listen. Listen. Train yourself to listen to the preaching of the Word of God and don't fall asleep on Sunday mornings, all right? <laughs> I understand some of you are tired, but I see some of you falling asleep. 
It's all good. But train yourself to listen to the preaching of the word. As you listen, take mental notes. Oh, what, what, not what I'm saying, but the, what the word of God is saying. And if you have your notepads, write them down. Or some of you have digital, uh, you could write it, you know, do it on your, with your thumbs and your fingers, okay? Do your, uh, you know, thumbs. Or if you want to be more practical, you turn the bulletin, you turn the back, and we put it, I put a space there so that you can take sermon notes. Take mental notes, physical notes, or your electronic device. Second, read. Listen is the first. Second is read. Read what? Train yourself reading the Word of God daily. Read it over and over again. As you do so, you will automatically memorize the Scripture. And so when you need to quote Scripture, or when you are going through some trials and tribulation, because you read your Bible daily, you pick out that, you, you, you will... Uh, Ask, you request it from your deposit bank and said, okay, I'm going to use it. You could withdraw it from your deposit bank in your memory bank. For example, if you're in traffic and someone cuts you off and your immediate reaction is to cut him off and give, and give him the universal language with your finger. All right? Come on now, if we be real, you, you're tempted to do that when someone cuts you off, Right? There's a universal language that everyone understands. You don't have to speak English. You don't have to speak uh, Spanish. You don't have to speak Korean or Japanese or Chinese. There's a universal language that understands. But come on now, for real, we were tempted to do that. But if we read the scripture, it says, what? Forgive. Then you could pull it off on the memory bank and you'll forgive that person. Are you with me? And if you meet someone that is unlovable, your co-worker is just annoying and stressing you out, then you could bring, again, you could withdraw from your memory bank. It's about being patient, about being loved. But if you don't take time and if you don't discipline yourself or train yourself in reading your word, then you have nothing here to pull out when life happens. And that's when you get stressed. And that's when you get upset. That's when you, then when you, then the tension happens. Are you with me? So he, that's why it is so important that you train yourself reading the word over and over again so that you automatically put it in your memory bank and you will automatically be, be when you're doing this, you'll be, subcon you'll be subconscious. You'll be just like, it'll be natural. Athletes practice, practice, practice. Why? It's all about repetition. Tiger Woods said this. He became the greatest golfer in the world because he did what? Practice, practice, practice. And he said what? Repetition, repetition, repetition. Michael Jordan became, some of you may disagree, the younger ones. Michael Jordan became the greatest basketball person in the world. He practiced, practiced, practiced. And that's what we need to do with the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Third is this. Is doers. Train yourselves to be the doers of the Word. Walk the talk. Don't just speak it, but be doers of it. Put into practice what you have learned from God's Word. As you spend time reading your Word, as you spend time reading your Word and meditating upon the Word, and so then the question that you have to ask, okay, how can I put into practice what the Lord has taught me today? 
Be doers of the Lord. A word. Training and exercising from the word has great benefits. Notice in verse 8, Paul says this. For physical training is of some value. He didn't say no value. But it's some value. We know physical exercise has some value like health benefits. If you have high blood pressure, you work on on your exercise and you diet. And you can control that high blood pressure. If you have high cholesterol, you can control that by exercise and diet. Now, in some cases, you need medication to help you. But in a lot of cases, watch what you eat and you do physical exercise, you can control that. So that's what Paul says. It has some value. But check this out. But godliness has value for all things. My dear brothers and sisters, training to be godly has benefits and adds value to all areas of life. And you heard me say this. As godly Christians, we add tremendous value of who we are. We'll become better spouse to our, to our husband and wives. You see? Praise the Lord. Amen. We may be better sons and daughters to our parents. We will be better friends. We'll be better neighbors. We'll be better employers or employees. We'll be better co-workers. You see, it has tremendous amount of benefits. Because that's what Paul is saying. It has great value to all things, all areas of life. And Paul says this. We become better members of the body of Christ. You see, we become better members. We live in the promise of today and the future. Future. That's what Paul means here in the latter part of verse 8. He says this. Notice it says, holding promises, excuse me, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Godliness has great value today that is present and how we live now and we live forward of eternity. Meaning that is to come. There will be great rewards of how you live in this life. Jesus said that. You'll be rewarded according to your deeds. There goes that word deed again. And that's what James learned from Jesus himself. Faith without deed is dead. And, G and Jesus said, there, you know, you will be rewarded according to your deeds. You know? So there's great value. And Paul adds in verse 9, this is trustworthy saying. He is saying, trust and listen to what I'm saying. That deserves full, that full acceptance. What is it? Godliness has value of all things. We can trust it now and throughout eternity. Now, and for this reason, in verse 10, Paul says this. That is why we labor and strive. You see. Later on, Paul says, what you do will not be in vain. And Jesus says, what you do, you will be rewarded. And that is why Paul says, even though I'm shipwrecked, even though that sometimes I'm hungry, even though sometimes I'm beaten and humiliated, and most of the time I'm in prison, I labor and strive because I place my hope in Jesus Christ, and I know that my reward is great up in heaven. You see? 
So everyone else here today, including myself, what are you struggling? I'm, not, I'm sure you're not in prison like Paul. All right? I'm sure you're not growing hungry and starving and you're not shipwrecked in some, some island. And I'm sure you're not being humiliated like Paul did. And I'm sure you're not beaten, physically beaten. I'm sure your life is not threatened. Therefore, we can strive and labor. For what? Because our hope is in Christ Jesus. And that's what should encourage us. God will not disappoint us. And therefore, we should relentlessly pursue Him as He is pursuing us. That's what godliness means. Deep devotion to God. Just as athletes who train hard and deny any physical desires to eat junk food. I have a friend at, a, at the gym, and he's a professional bodybuilder. I mean, this dude is just cut, and he just, he just, he, he just, he's like a sculptor. And he, he, and he, he competes in, 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 in competitions, and you know, where they flex, right? Their arms, and their shoulder back, and their legs, and their calves. I mean, this, this dude is defined you know, he's got muscles that I'd never even heard of. Okay. And, and he says, Nick, before I go on competition, the way, the reason why there's specific cuts, specific definition, and the, the, the way that my body is built, the way it is, it's all about diet. And he says he does not eat carbs, he does not eat junk food to have this great physique. And, and you can see that. In the same way, we may not be a professional athlete or professional bodybuilder. But we, Paul challenges, we should avoid any type of junk food that this world is teaching that harm our soul. You see? Amen? Paul says, place your hope in what? In the living God, not in the hope of anything else. The problem with a lot of people is that they are misplacing their hope. And that is why they're still struggling. That is why they're still stressed. That is why they're still full of anxiety, full of depression, and all this stuff. But Paul is saying, reminding us, place your hope in what? In the living God. Who is what? The Savior of all people. He didn't say some people, but all people. And especially of those who, what? Believe. You and I have a special privilege. And the reason why you and I have a special privilege is because we believe. You see? I'm not just saying that. It's right in the Word of God. Amen? He says, especially... Underline that word if you are, especially of those who believe, meaning you, me, in this house of God. You and I have a special privilege. Christ the Savior, our soul, will never disappoint us as we believe in Him. In closing, any workout trainer at the gym or physical trainer 
that some of these guys pay $100 per hour to get physically trained. Any workout trainer, any physical trainer would tell you this. It's all about diet. Because it doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter how many hours you lift weights or how many miles you run or, 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 or how much you walk or how much activities you do or how much you count the step on your Fitbit watch. It doesn't matter. All that is meaningless if you don't have proper diet. Okay? In the same way, it doesn't matter how often you come to church on Sunday mornings. It doesn't matter if you, don't be, if you belong to small groups. It doesn't matter if you belong to, you go to Sunday school teaching on uh, 9 o'clock in the morning. We have awesome teachers, by the way. It doesn't matter if you go to other church for Bible teaching. If there is no spiritual diet, all that is meaningless, you see. That's what Paul is saying. Yes, you need to go to be part of Sunday worship. Yes, you need to be part of uh, uh, a small group. Yes, you need to be in a Bible study. But along with that, you need to partner it with good spiritual food. You see, that's the combination. That's how it works. In our roadmap to godliness, it can only happen if you and me cultivate the life by feeding and training ourselves in the Word of God. Amen? It takes hard discipline to do so. Training is important, but more so we need to watch what we put in our spiritual minds and in our hearts. It's all about spiritual diet. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We will not turn to the left or to the right. But we will look into the word. In your word, we derive principle, applications, and how to live this life. It is a roadmap to godliness, a life that you have called us. So God, I pray that you would help us not take any junk food that hinders our soul, but only feed our soul with the Word and the living God. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.